This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is episode 53 of your twice-weekly source for news news, and ridiculous comment. I, as always, am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me impatiently is Brittany Page. Yeah, the heat makes me even more impatient. It's so, over 90 degrees right now. Yeah, it's problematic. Yeah, I, I am a believer in this, that as soon as summer is over, so should the heat. Yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. Just as no one should wear white after Labor Day, there should be no more heat after Labor Day. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I definitely don't care about the wearing white after Labor Day thing. Well, but then again, I also can't remember that black and blue don't match. So <laughs> I'm just trying to get... I'm trying to admonish God to fucking get with the program here and eliminate 90-degree weather after Labor Day. He is in control of that sitch. He certainly is. Yeah. He. He is. Yeah. Because it's clearly a dude. Yeah, clearly. Because <laughs> he's screwing everything up. Right. Welcome to the show. Like I said, everybody, this is an unbelievable triumph of will that we have gotten to 53 episodes and either Brittany or myself has not murdered the other. Yeah, that's true. It's I'm really it's very remarkable. Yeah, we regularly fight and then just edit it out. <laughs> Usually it's the precursor prior to the microphones being turned on. That's true. That the bickering starts. Yeah, it stirs up the chemistry that we have. Yeah, it's it's really it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, a lot guy, I know I say it every fucking time. A I lot know, going stop. on. A lot going on over the show. Uh, Conan. There is there is a lot going on. Yeah. But one thing, there's a couple things I wanted to talk about. One is uh, the posting of a mutual friend of ours about people who don't watch the news and then and the reasons they give for not watching the news. Um, I, I guess let, let's start with that. Okay, do you want me to actually read the post? Yeah, go ahead and read it. She's a, a friend of the show and a personal real-life friend of ours. Are we going to say the name? Yeah, Selena. Okay. Go ahead. I, you were like keeping it secret, so I was wondering if... I like secrets. Okay. So, Selena posted and said, random rant. It's unfortunate that so many people don't keep up with the news because it, quote, depresses them or they just don't care. You are ignorant and heartless to ignore what is going on in the world in which you live. It's sad to know that those who have to make the news for terrible reasons are not good enough for your attention. Must be nice to sleep at night in your own little safe world while tragedy occurs in your backyard. I think that it's, one, I think that it's well intended, what she means by that. I disagree a little bit on uh, heartless, if someone doesn't watch the news or pay attention to the news that they're heartless. I think that a lot of times people who who make the claim that it's too depressing so I don't watch the news, I think oftentimes it's they're not smart enough to really keep up with what's going on so they use the depressing thing as a as a diversion to what their true intent is. Yeah, I, I think that's a good theory. 
Well, I'm not, it's not the only thing. I, and I'm not saying every single human being who says the news is too depressing, I don't want to watch it. Is a dummy. Is a dummy. Okay, yeah, that's I, what I was kind of. I'm not saying of, that. Okay. But I think largely the people who I know giving that excuse are, are making excuses for deficiencies of ability relative to understanding and analyzing a lot of the complex issues that are talked about on the news. Yeah, and that's kind of what I liked about Selena's status is it goes hand in hand with something I think, which is if you are someone who doesn't watch the news or keep up with current events, uh, you shouldn't be someone who's sharing your opinion publicly or even have an opinion for that matter, because how do you know? Where do you get your opinions from? If you're not watching, like if you like Obama, if you dislike Obama, if you're not keeping up with what Obama's doing, you have how no do reason, you know? You have no reason to like or dislike him. Yeah. How, I mean, where do you derive that feeling? Is it because he looks nice? Right. I mean... Right. He reads off a teleprompter well? Yeah. W what bothers me about it is these people can vote. These people are encouraged to vote for our l elected leadership, our representatives in Congress. And... They're not, they, they obviously have the, the constitutional right to vote, but should we be encouraging them to vote when they don't have the intellectual wherewithal to be making important decisions? Yeah, and I also thought it was interesting. Someone commented and said that they just don't like the news because it ends up with one story being two different stories because the left and right-wing agenda is so different. Right, I saw that. And I don't think that that's accurate at all. Not at all. I mean, take, for instance, the, the Michael Brown situation. If you were to have watched Fox News or CNN, you would have gotten the same information. Right. Granted, people that were reporting it probably had different agendas, like Don Lemon versus Sean Hannity or whatever. He's yeah. not really a news person, Sean Hannity. He's more opinion. But those kind of things would be different. But you generally were getting the same information. I, I agree that the same information was put out there. And then it's up to each individual watcher of the news to glean what they will from the information they received. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of Fox News viewers have a, a more of a right-wing bent to their ethos, so they're going to interpret that news differently. The same facts were given, because we watched hours of coverage of specifically the Michael Brown thing, the Ferguson, uh, Missouri thing. We watched hours of coverage from both Fox News and CNN, and the story was no different. Yeah, and maybe the only other difference is who they have on to discuss the different stories. Depending on who's on the panel, yeah. then you're going to be getting, you know, a variation on the information. But it's all basically the same information. Well, then there's, I think this was the same person that we're talking about. She also said, they also said, actually, it might have been one of those accounts that's a dual account. Where you mean the like a combined couple Facebook account? Yeah, which is a whole other. You know what? We're gonna. I'm. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna. We're gonna. I'm gonna derail myself, and we're gonna talk about that because I think they were. I don't know whether it was a she or a he because they had one of those. Wes and Sheila. No name, whatever. Like Smith. A, Why don't you just default yeah, to Smith? I don't know. I'm a tool. I don't. I hate those. I. It's bizarre to me that people must a couple must share an account what always comes to mind for me is that one of those people 
has either cheated or is not trustworthy. Every time I see one of those accounts that is shared, it's one of them can't be trusted to have a Facebook on their own. I lean toward thinking that as well, but I do see how there might be other reasons for it. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying that's my natural prejudice. Every time, every 100% of the time that I see a couple with a merged Facebook account, I think in my mind, in my prejudiced mind, one of them can't be trusted. Every single time I think that, whether it's wrong or right. I wonder if those people who have the joint accounts know that there's people out there like me who is thinking one of them has cheated or is likely to cheat and can't be trusted. Yeah. You think? You think that that goes through their mind? Or do they, or do you think they just assume everybody thinks that there's some natural, um, innocent reason for it? I don't know. I, guess I mean, that, that's that would be a question for the audience, I guess. Yeah, the I think, like I said, it's not always a situation where someone can't be trusted. I think sometimes um, the male in the relationship isn't super into Facebook, but the woman wants him to be identified on Facebook, and so they kind mm. of combine the account. Um, but I know personally people that have cheated and are not trustworthy that are combined Facebook accounts because... Then why are they with that other person? People are disturbed. If they are so flagrant and dishonest in their ways relative to their loyalty and their monogamy in the relationship to which they've sworn those things, why are they with that other person? Leave. Fucking get out of there. Yeah. Well, it's like saying, why is someone with someone who beats them? I mean, it's yeah. it's the same exact situation. The, but... I think the same question <laughs> No, I understand what you're saying, but yeah. there's people that are in relationships that are making mistakes, and I get that those people that are in bad relationships would want to combine their Facebook so they can kind of try to keep tabs. Because if you're going to stay, you don't want to be tortured, but... I mean, you're making a good point. Why are they in it? I get that. But at the same time, if they're going to be in it, they're going to be wanting to keep tabs if something has happened. You know what I mean? Then don't have Facebook. Yeah. I I don't know. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand it. And I guess that's why I would, I would make an appeal to our audience. What, what they think, are they with me? Do, Do they sense the same thing every time they see a joint account? Or is there some more innocent... Uh, motive behind it well and pew research kind of did a survey on this um and they found that the longer the people had been in the relationship the more likely they were to have a combined social media account Hmm. so 14 percent of respondents uh of about like 1500 people said that they had combined facebook profiles and they had been together 10 plus years and then that percentage went down depending on the time they had been together does well what do you think do you think that's just because they're probably older and the technology like that that point you made at the very beginning it resonated with me because i do know some couples where the dude doesn't give a shit about facebook and the woman does yeah so that that kind of makes sense to me 
Yeah, um, it was 10% of people 18 to 29 years old have a social media account with their partner, and then 11% of people over 65. Those are pretty huge disparities that went from 18 to 29 years old right. to 65. So I don't, I don't know, I guess. Is it, it's 10% have joint accounts? Yeah. That's amazing to me. Because, you know, let's say I have 500 friends on Facebook. I don't, I have no idea what the number is, but if I have 500, I can't imagine that 50 of them are joint accounts. So I don't know where they're getting that data because that seems very, very high to me. Well, it's based on the people they surveyed. Yeah, that just seems very high. So, I, I mean, for me too, I don't, I don't have a lot of friends who have combined Facebook accounts, but I think that it's weird still for me just because I'm a separate person. You know, yeah, I have yeah. separate interests. I have separate things that I want to talk about, that I want to post about, that I want to engage people to talk about. And so I can't have a combined account because I'm my own person. I want to talk about my own well, stuff. Back to the news thing we were talking about. If if you and I had a joint face Facebook account and you, because we have different opinions on things... If you were to reply to that news thread and it was Jesse and Brittany, you would... I'd have to sign my name or you, something. Yeah, you have to go out of your way to operate your Facebook account out of the norm of what a normal... Fa because you have to go out of your way even when you create your account. It makes you put first name and last name. Yeah. It's just weird. It's weird to me. Yeah, and so maybe if you've been together longer and you're older then you kind of already have a combined life. You know, you have combined friends, you have combined... I still don't know, though, because I will never be the same. Maybe it's different because we use Facebook differently than a lot of people. A lot of people use it as, well, I'm going to the store to get groceries, and then I'm going to bathe the kids and put them to bed, and then I'm going to... It's like a, a fucking play-by-play -play of what they're going to do or what they did today. Yeah, that's and true. And so there's no opinion needed because it's just inane fucking drivel that no one cares about. Where you and I use Facebook largely as a pivot point for discussion on the topics of the day. Yeah. So I think we're probably a little bit more controversial relative to our use of Facebook than, well, than, than I can say anybody I know who has a joint account. Yeah, so that there's probably just several variables that go into why people have a, a Facebook combined account. Mm -hmm. But I think us asking the question, we're not going to get many honest people writing in saying, yeah, my boyfriend cheated, and so I need to keep tabs right. on what he's doing. But l let me, l let's pose the question not just to those who do have a joint account. Let's pose the question to those who, what, what, all right, here's the deal. <laughs> here's the question. Uh, this goes out to everyone, but mainly because we're not going to, like you said, get an honest answer from those who do have a joint account. For those normal, typical Facebook users, what is your opinion of someone who has a joint Facebook account? What's your initial response? I'd like to know. Yeah, I'm curious too. We'll we'll do our own research and data collection. <laughs> right. This is a non-scientific poll. Yeah. <laughs> So we did want to get to a couple follow-ups. We had a couple listener calls this week, and we wanted to address them. And the first one is from great friend of the show and regular caller, Brett. 
he wanted to talk about our take and our analysis of the fappening, the the release of those the hacking thievery and uh, illegal release of the pictures of Jennifer Lawrence and those other celebrities. Hello, beautiful people. This is Brett. Hey, a couple of things. One, I wanted to thank you for shoving a hot fire poker of guilt straight up my asshole uh, when I listened to your show because I looked at the Jennifer Lawrence naked pictures. And I only wish that I'd listened to the show before I looked at the Jennifer Lawrence naked pictures because then I would have known that it was the wrong thing to do. Um, I wanted to say that I agree with what you guys said. It changed my mind. It changed my heart. Uh, it was a great, great show. And uh, in the spirit of pushing the conversation forward, I also wanted to tell you that um, it spurned no less than two to three hours of conversation with multiple people last night during the Seahawks game. Uh, we talked about this subject, and uh, we argued about it, and we just we we really we just really got into the whole thing, and uh, it was fodder for amazing conversation. So I wanted to give you guys a shout out. I love you. You uh, you're making a difference. You're pushing it forward. So job well done. Uh, I gotta go and look at some more naked pictures of uh, Jennifer Lawrence. So, peace. <laughs> what a turd! I'm sure he's kidding at the end. Um, thanks for the call, first of all. But second of all, it makes me feel good. And this might be just my bearing my soul a little bit. But when we started the show, I really did want to affect the way people think, and I did want to. You know, it's lofty and it's it sounds ballsy to say, but I wanted to change the world. I've always had that in my heart to, to make this a better place. And if we can do that even a little bit to move the needle toward better humans and human decency, then that's an awesome thing. And if, if we were able to skew the opinions toward the right, and I don't mean right as in right-left, I mean correct, um toward decency that's awesome if, if you know five or six or ten people listen to us and change their opinions and their views and might not view those pictures again or view any more that are released then that's an awesome thing that they can carry on that message too and i'm i'm touched by that i think it's awesome yeah i so agree we appreciate the call and then we also related to the same topic we got a message through our Facebook page, which we would invite you to go like the Facebook page. And if you already like the Facebook page, invite some of your friends who might be in, uh, interested in this broadcast, as well as liking the Facebook page and, and interacting with us there relative to the things that we, we talk about. Uh, and John, he messaged us and he says, uh, I want to preface this by saying, I do think that what has happened to these celebrities is shitty and that the hacker slash hackers responsible should be held accountable. However, there's a point regarding the quote-unquote fappening that I would like to highlight because I have thus far not seen anyone else raise it. I do believe that the celebrities involved are themselves at least somewhat partially responsible, not because they took nude photos, but because they uploaded such photos to a cloud service. These photos existed on servers belonging to a major tech company, a high-profile target for cybercriminals. 
It seems to me that these women put themselves at higher risk the moment they decided to place these photos on a machine other than their personal computer. I suppose one can make the case that they decided their photos would be safe since Apple would have safeguards in place, and therefore this was an acceptable risk. However, if I were in their shoes, the risk would have been too great for me to accept. So I'll just start off the response. <laughs> um, I think the point that he made there at the end that um, they expected Apple to have secure parameters or whatever sure. the sentence was, that's pretty much just all we should take from that message because, of course, we're just going to reiterate it was not the woman's fault at all because at they all. they were hacked and they have a reasonable expectation of security because they Absolutely. were using a service. And even though I don't know how the cloud thing works, um, so I haven't ever used it to upload anything to, but I mean, I upload to Dropbox and it would kind of be like my Dropbox getting hacked, would it not? It'd be exactly like that. So... Well I and I, I don't expect that my Dropbox will be hacked, but now that I'm talking about it, it probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> my my take on it is this. I would suspect that John, the, the messenger, um, is probably very much more astute about technological issues than that of those actresses listed. They're not techies. Yes. They're just regular people who are actors. Yeah. They're artists. They're not techno. They're not techie nerds. They don't understand what the cloud means. Well, I don't think they probably know it as well as he seems to. Yeah. You know, I so, would agree with that. So because, because you have an understanding that is greater than them, we can't hold them to the same level of expectations of paranoia, if you will, about, <laughs> you know, those time of technological issues. Yeah. So I don't know. I still think that, that the fact remains that no blame can be placed on them. None. Not even partially. Yeah. Not at all. They, they don't stand, um, with any guilt on them because they were completely violated. Yeah. It's like saying, well, if you took Polaroids of yourself and left them on your kitchen table and a thief broke into your house, well, you're partially responsible for those photos being taken because they shouldn't have just been on your table. They should have been in a 15,000 pound safe, which is hidden under the floorboards of your house, in your floor, of your floor. That, well, I mean, that's a fair argument. No. <laughs> <laughs> Still, someone broke in, unauthorized predator broke in and stole your property, whether it's in plain sight or whether it's hidden in the aforementioned 15,000 pound safe. Yeah. And I mean, now they know that they are at higher risk of being hacked and they shouldn't have these things on there. But again, they shouldn't have to pick and choose where they're going to put things because they are expecting to have crimes committed against them. I mean, they should have the freedom to do as they please with the services for which they pay. Yeah. You know, and, and not have to worry about people breaking in and stealing their crap. Right. Stealing their legally taken pictures. They're legally sna snapped photographs. They're yeah. not illegal porn. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Except for the, the Olympian girl. Yeah. And then we had another call. We're going to move right along. Uh, it's going long here, 20, tw over 20, almost 25 minutes. Um, Dan called in, and he wanted to talk about, well, I'll just remind everybody, we played this Biden clip. Because hell is where they will reside. Hell is where they will reside. 
and he wanted to sound off about that. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, this is Dan. Uh, I'm listening to Joe Biden's speech in episode 52. Uh, you know, if I'm the vice president of the United States, if I'm speaking on uh, the Middle East, maybe job number one is to not reinforce any uh, religious imagery. Using the word hell, not really a way to allay some fears that there's any kind of religious uh, bent to the U.S. foreign policy. So, yeah, that struck me when I was listening to that. Enjoy the show a lot, guys. I'll talk to you later. Okay, so first of all, thanks to Dan. That was awesome. Yeah. And this is one of my favorite things about doing the show and about having people call in and give feedback because we didn't even think of this point at all. I'm <laughs> I'm so glad that he brought this up because where the where the fuck was I? Yeah, we didn't think of it I at was, all. I was so excited about all the tombstone shit <laughs> that I didn't even think of that point. And it's an awesome, awesome point. Yeah, I'm... I'm just, it's awesome. That's what's so great about, we love for people to call in and give us their opinions because there's things that we don't even consider that we don't even right. think of. And we want you to call in with those things. 657-464-7609 is that number. If yes. you would like to call in and leave a less than three minute voicemail. Mm -hmm. or Keep if you that in mind. Leave, or two three minute voicemails if you really want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> but it's 657-464-7609. And you can also text... You can text that same number. But here's the thing about Dan's point that is just so fucking poignant. It's we clearly do not want to frame the war or the possible war against ISIS and against radical, this radical movement in the Middle East. We don't want to frame it like a, it's a religious war. A holy war. Yeah. And it's not a jihad for us. No. It is for them. It's not for us. Yeah. So if we don't. If we want to distance ourselves from that characterization, then don't use religious imagery. Yeah. Like your fucking Wyatt Earp. <laughs> Joe Biden, who is a an elder statesman. This guy's been around since the 60s. Yeah. He should know fucking better. But because he's such a shooting from the hip, I'm just every, I'm Joe regular guy. Here yeah. for he's going to fuck it up constantly. Yeah. We're going to follow them to the gates of hell. Come on. You're doing us and our foreign policy a disservice, Joe Biden. Yeah. He has really nice teeth, though. Well, I'm glad that that's all it takes. Those are beautiful chompers. <laughs> From which spew ridiculous ideology. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we can't all be perfect. Right. So... I really want to I want to thank Dan for the call because it it, it interjected uh, a completely new outlook on it that I was either too busy to consider or too excited about uh about my Wyatt Earp comparison. <laughs> I think that's what with it Joe was. Joe Biden last week. Just too much tombstone on the brain. Yeah, for sure. So Brittany has some awesome this is also follow up but some awesome poll data about what people's opinions are regarding the reclining of seats and other things that people do while on a plane. And this is follow-up because of the last three episodes, or within the last week and a half or so, there have been several, there's a spate of consternation when people fly 
over specifically the act of reclining one's seat while on the plane. Yeah, so 538, which is one of our favorite websites that we talk about a lot. Nate Silver. Given all this amazing hoopla surrounding the controversy of reclining one's seat (laughs) on an airplane, they decided to pull some air passengers and see what they thought regarding various actions and whether or not they were very or somewhat rude. Yeah. So they did a survey of 874 air passenger respondents and various actions. And we're just going to go through these things so that everyone can be really depressed about how terrible the general population is. All right. Where'd they start? So the number one action that people said is very or somewhat rude, 82%, was un was knowingly bringing an unruly child on the flight. 82% thought that, I don't know where the knowingly comes in, but you mean if you know your kid's a prick and you bring him on anyway? I think that's what it means, yeah. (laughs) If you know he's going to be a problem and be crying or yelling or not able to handle the flight and you still bring him on. People have to travel. All right. All right. Here, let me, can I give my take after each one? Yeah. Okay. That's, it's your show. Those 82% are assholes. It's a lot of people. That They're dicks because I realize that some parents aren't disciplining their kids well, but if 80, I don't understand the knowing, I tell you what, we're going to move on. I think that question is asked a little screwily because (laughs) if you knowingly bring your, what are you supposed to do if you're, you're gay, you're at the gate and then your kid starts throwing a fit, you just fucking abandon all hope and. Yeah. Fucking make him walk the plank. Well, you're sorry. You're staying here in Newark. We're, we're, we're going on. Maybe the expectation is they should be hopped up on drugs or, or rather knocked out by drugs. And what, what are they supposed to do? What's a parent supposed to do? And listen, I have no patience for that kind of shit. So, but if you're a reasonable human being, we live in a world where in order for our society to move forward into a, a modern era and into the future, Kids and infants and toddlers, assholes and good kids alike have to exist <laughs> because without them, there aren't, they don't become adults. Yeah. It's not like pigeons where all of a sudden they're adults. Yeah. Have you, have you ever seen a baby pigeon? No. Yeah. They, they don't exist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so 73% of people said that it was very or somewhat rude to wake someone up to go for a walk. Go, Which wait, is, wait, go for a walk? Yeah, do people normally go for walks? How big a plane are they? they <laughs> I know, the I've never heard of this. I, I guess getting up to stretch your legs, which even that's weird. Why would you do that? Well, I don't do it. I Look, I'm like I said, I've said it on the show before. I'm six foot three, 270 pounds. I'm a big guy. And I am miserable on flights because I fly coach. And it's terrible. But... I still don't get up to walk around because all it does is you're up for, let's say, five minutes. Yeah. And then you have to go back down and sit down. And then it's even more miserable for you because you know what you could have. Yeah, you felt the freedom. (laughs) And then you went back to prison. Right. It's like being in jail and you get five minutes of sunshine and then slammed back into solitary confinement. Yeah. Now you only know what you're missing. Okay, so then the third most rude action was reclining your seat. 41% believe that is very or somewhat rude. That is fucking... Well, 
I think that's weird because of this. 100% of the time, people recline their seats when I'm on a, when I'm on a flight. So who, where are the, where's this 41% that if they believe it's very rude or somewhat rude, where are they? Because they've never been sitting in front of me because everybody who sits in front of me fucking reclines their seat. Well, look at you using your own personal experience to try to invalidate the data. Hey, anecdotal evidence coming from me is rock hard science. And like I said, I'm probably just dumb, but I don't think I've ever noticed someone rec- recline their seat. And I don't recline my seat. I just, I know I'm going to be comfortable for a couple hours. I deal with it. Did I say comfortable? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I meant, maybe I'm just hoping <laughs> to be comfortable someday. On a, uncomfortable is what I meant. So the next most rude action is wake someone up to use the bathroom. 37% say this is rude. I, that is inexplicable to me. I do not understand that reaction. If someone's got to go, they got to go. I know. Do you, Would they rather have them like S their pants next to them or? Well, I tell you, if the next time that happens to me, if someone gets a little shitty, a little <laughs> pissed, well, see, all those are, that's imagery I don't want to use. <laughs> if, if someone gets dickish when I try to break out to go to the bathroom. Break out. Then what I'm going to do. <laughs> I am going to lower my trousers and shit <laughs> right in their lap, which, of course, is hyperbolic because I don't poop on airplanes. This is getting hostile. No one should poop on airplanes. Yeah, I agree with that. Because, well, for one, it's dangerous. I, I still suspect someone is going to reach up from in there <laughs> and grab me. Yeah. And that's no good. Even if they're going to tickle my balls or something, yeah. that's no good. <laughs> that's reasonable. That's scary. That's a reasonable concern, I think. <laughs> okay. Well, have you you've flushed one of those toilets. Yes. It's with the force of a jet engine. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's like they're siphoning off just a little bit of power from the engine. It's no good. It's like if your shirt was dangling down a little too low, it would get caught up and get whipped off. Exactly. Yeah. God forbid I drop like a contact lens or or something. I don't wear contacts, but I drop something on the ground and need to bend over and pick it up and my tie gets sucked down in there. I'd be a goner. Yeah, that would be comical. Okay, so the next... Uh, rude action is to bring a baby on a plane. 30% Uh, said this was rude. So all you new parents out there, sorry, you got to take a Greyhound with all the freaking junkies and white trash to travel the country. Yeah. You you can't take air travel. Okay, we're going to move through these last ones real quick. 26% say it's rude to ask to switch seats for friends. 21% said it's rude to be chatty with the seatmate. 19% 19% said it's rude to move to an unsold seat. Ugh. And 17% said it's rude to ask to s- switch seats for family. Well, I don't think... I, I don't All think, those are dumb. I think every single one of these has been dumb. I don't think that there's an, there's a, an absolute in any of these. I think it's a case-by-case thing. And like I said, unless, like, especially with the reclining of the seats, and I'm not going to belabor the point because we've talked about it ad nauseum now. This is the fourth instance of talking about this particular thing. If if there's a, a grown man behind me, I don't recline my seat. If there is a smaller human being back there, I will do so. But if, if, if I get the feeling I'm going to inconvenience them, I don't do it just out of courtesy. But I don't get pissed off if someone does it to me. Yeah, so one more funny thing I want to talk about is another part of the survey where they asked who is in control of the window shade and who gets the armrests. Oh. 
And the part of this article was written very funny. Walt Hickey of 538 wrote the article, and it was just really funny. So he said, 10% of respondents are fascists who said, whoever puts their arm on the armrest first gets it. (laughs) 2% are sadists who think that the people in the aisle and window seat get both armrests. So just F the person in the middle. Right. And if anything, (laughs) hang on, if anything, the person in the middle, because that's the worst fucking seat in the world, they get both because they're getting squished, especially if you're if you're in between me and another dude my size. That's hell. Yeah, that's hell on earth. Yeah. So he continued, 65% are socialists who think they should be shared. Aw. Oh. And 5% responded other and wrote in their own responses, such as whoever is largest or the youngest child or me. <laughs> me. Yeah. So just selfish <laughs> pricks, apparently. Well, that, those are questions I think that will will live on in the ages. Right. So if you have thoughts about those audience we'd love to hear from you 657-464-7609 uh sound off what say you about who gets the armrest all that other bullshit that i i would hope that our audience would agree with us that those those people who think that stuff is rude are just assholes speaking of assholes there is a movement afoot to boycott the dallas cowboys because of their they picked up Michael Sam, the gay former Missouri uh, Tiger, uh, SEC Defensive Player of the Year last year. He was drafted by the St. Louis Rams, subsequently released, and then he was picked up by Dallas. Yeah, and this move has angered anti-LGBT Christians who had threatened to boycott the Rams before Sam was released. Quote, we cannot just stand idly by as Christian values and morals are trampled. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just really like comical because there's a gay football player. The Christian values and morals are being trampled. Anyway, this was said by Jack Berkman, the GOP lobbyist working to keep Sam out of the NFL. Quote, we will do whatever we can to preserve family values in this country. Mm. Berkman has drafted legislation barring gay players from the NFL, but his brother said his efforts were a publicity stunt to draw clients to his lobbying firm. Did uh, Is there any information in there whether he tried to boycott the uh, the Baltimore Ravens for only suspending Ray Rice for two games after bludgeoning his girlfriend in an elevator? You know, there is nothing about that in this article. Mm. He's more concerned about the attack on Christian values with the gay football player. Okay, all right. Fan reaction in Dallas has been mixed, with some recognizing the team's defense needs all the help it can get, but others are uncomfortable rooting for a gay player. Quote, I don't want my kids looking up to me and saying, Daddy, what does that mean that he's gay? One fan said during a radio call-in show. (laughs) What's awesome about this, this reminds me of Louis C.K.'s take on why people... Why it's so illogical that people, the reasons, they, the excuses that they give for not wanting gay marriage or not wanting to deal with gays being in society. Or the, that argument that the soccer moms, I don't want to, how am I going to explain that to my kid? I don't like explaining things to my kid. I don't like talking to him. So you should stop your whole lifestyle so that I don't have to talk to my kid. You should stop being in love with each other. Because, ugh. How am I going to... 
you know what? They, they, uh, fuck you, stop it. It's weird. It's so poignant because he doesn't want Dallas, which is a business, the Dallas Cowboys, he doesn't want them to bolster their defensive line with Michael Sam because his kid might ask him, what does it mean to be gay, dad? But it's not going to ruin his kid. His kid's going to have to understand the world in which he lives at some point, but because it's going to make that father uncomfortable. Hey, Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, no. Don't pick him up as a player, even though he will make our team stronger and better. Yeah, it's really disturbing because, I mean, this is what's happening. They're not going to stop it. They're not going to stop the continuing understanding of homosexuals yeah. and, and all, you know, the advances that society is making in this arena. You're not going to stop it. Think about how scary it is for a caveman like that who doesn't want to tell his kid about homosexuality. Think about how scary it is for him and how scary it was for those in the 50s and the 40s and when the movement of equality in the civil rights movement started happening, how scary it was for the George Wallaces of the time. Yeah. And I think that fear, I relish, I think it's so, it's tasty, tasty (laughs) fear to me. Wow. It's awesome because their world and their worldview is fucking crumbling at a breakneck pace. We were able to witness their worldview just disintegrating before our eyes, which usually takes generations. We are in the enviable position to get to watch it happen. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so great. And it's, what is he afraid of? Telling his child what gay means, and then his child's going to be like, oh, yeah, all right, I'm on board with that. Yeah, right. I mean... Oh, you mean I could possibly be scorned and hated by my family? Yep, I choose gay. Yeah, (laughs) it's completely absurd. Completely absurd. And this article ends by saying demonstrators plan to gather outside the AT&T Stadium to protest Sam's signing because there's not better things that you could be protesting against than a gay football player having a career. Ugh. You want to prevent him from having a career because he's gay? Right. He's different than... Wait, he's different than me? No, he can't play football. That's absurd. I mean, I just don't understand how this is a priority for these people. Aren't there far more important things to deal with? Apparently not. I hate them. (gasps) No, I fucking hate them. These are terrible people. I don't know if I hate them for their abject stupidity or for the vitriol and the venom that they spew out of their stupid fucking socks every day. Well, and that's the thing. I don't know if everybody saw that viral video of the the backwards woods hicks uh, violently assaulting their son who came out oh, as yeah. gay. Mm-hmm. We should talk about that on the next episode or whatever. But they are contributing to that. They're contributing to people committing suicide, to yeah. people having depression, to people having to be disowned by their families and get into violent altercations with their parents when they say that they're gay. I mean, this is contributing to violence. These it's, beliefs, yes. this attitude, and it's contributing to mental illness. It's contributing to these people not feeling good. And why would you want that as a Christian? Isn't that a Christian value that you want to uphold is good? 
Well, I grew up in the church believing that sin was sin. If you steal a 25 cents of, of pack of gum, that is no different in the eyes of God, of God, than murder. If you take someone's life or you steal a Mars bar, those are equal in the eyes of God. Yikes. So if sin is sin to God, if sin is sin, if missing the mark is missing the mark, it doesn't matter, then what the fuck does it matter if it's gay or if it's someone who defiles their body with cigarettes? You know what I mean? And <laughs> I used to ask my mom this all the time. So when she was like, I don't care if they're gay. I mean, I, I don't agree with it. Uh, all that bullshit that most Christians say. And I would say, so you would, you would sit, you would sit next to someone in church in the sanctuary and in worship service and worship God next to someone who's gay. And it resulted in the most awkward silence that you've ever seen from one, one human being. Well, yeah, because it's that, that quote, love the sin or hate the sin. Right. Well, it's not just a sin homosexuals that's their sexual orientation they are attracted to the same sex that's who they are that's what they like and so that's not just a behavior that they have that's who they are it's so it, you can't it, you can't it's written in their genetics yeah you can't extract just the sin no that's a part of them that's who they are right. so that whole quote is it just makes me angry when i hear it because it's ridiculous you you hate them that's what you're saying. That's exactly what it is. There's no way to parse the words, you know, love the, love the sinner, hate the sin. All that is, it's just total bullshit and it's a cop out. So in line with the, the Michael, the Michael Sam pickup by the, the Dallas Cowboys, I want to talk about the Amazon.com search bar. Oh yeah. At dollamore.com. If you want to buy a book or memorabilia from your favorite NFL team, which I hope is not the Dallas Cowboys, because that would be a fucking terrible choice. Ouch. Not because of Michael Sam, but because the Dallas Cowboys, you know, a $55 million guarantee for Tony Romo this year, and that's why you can't pick up Johnny Manziel. That's why. Yeah. Way to go, Jerry Jones. That's some good management there. So if you'd like to pick up memorabilia or a book, do it on dollamore.com. There's an Amazon search bar there. You could search for the product you're going to buy, go through to the site and buy it from there, and it would go a long way to help out your favorite twice-weekly podcast related to news, news. and ridiculous comments. Moving right along to ridiculous comments. Holy shit. Pat Robertson is at it. Again, this week on his on his radio sh or on his regular on his weekly show, a seven hundred club. I think it's a weekly show. Maybe I should watch the show more to find out. Uh, an eighty year old woman wrote in with a few questions for the venerable evangelical leader. This is Audrey, who says, My husband and I are in our 80s and have been tithing for many years. We both love the Lord and give willingly, and our tithe is over 10%. I praise Him and thank Him for our blessings. I declare that this is our time of prosperity, but we never have an extra money after our monthly bills are paid. Our old car just broke down and we had to borrow money to fix it. We both need dental work, but we can't afford it. I constantly have to use our credit card to pay for medical needs. I speak the verse about, quote, give and it will be given to you. We have no unforgiveness in our lives. What could we be doing wrong? All right. So before we get to 
uh, Pat Robertson's response for this 80-year-old lady and her husband. Let's kind of establish what the facts are here. Woman calls in. She and her, let's presume he's also 80 years old. I don't assume she's married to a, an able-bodied 35-year-old man. So we'll just say too old to be working. Yes. Calls in and talks about they had, well, first of all, their car just broke down and they can't afford to fix it. They had to borrow money from someone in order to fix it. That's right. So they have an unreliable mode of transportation, which would lead them to either walk or and they're they're eighty. Or ride a bike, yeah. Yeah, and they're eighty. That doesn't 80 seem very years old. Joan possible. Rivers just died at eighty-one years old. They're fucking old. They're they're doing well being alive at eighty years old right now. They're paying their medical bills with their credit cards, which I'm assuming are mounting because as you get older, and when you get to be this age, you have astronomically high medical bills usually. Yeah. Far more than I do because I never go to the doctor. I'm healthy. I'm not eighty. Believe it or not, audience, I am not 80. What? They need dental work that they can't afford. So they're avoiding going to the dentist, and dental issues can lead to heart disease. They can lead to heart attacks. Yeah. Google it. It's true. (laughs) And she goes on to talk about how they, they continued to tithe, which they've done for many, many years. They tithe over 10% to the church. So what that means is they're giving... Off the top of whatever they earn, which I'm, you know, whatever means they have, they're giving over 10% of it to the church. It just, that's like heartbreaking to me. Honestly, right. that's so, heartbreaking to so me. So these are people who can't even pay their medical bills, but they're giving 10% of their income to the church. And instead of the church, by the way, saying, oh, you know, how about you keep that for yourself to support yourself? Right. You've supported us for this long. Yeah. We're going to help you out. Yeah. No. Well, take, 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 take endlessly. Here, Here is the venerable Pat Robertson in his response. What could we be doing wrong? Well, why don't you ask God to show you some ways of making money? You know, there's there are many ways of making money, even at 80 years old. Uh, you know, you can get on the telephone and people are hiring. Uh, there are all kinds of things you can do. Uh, think of ways. I mean, for example, you may have a bunch of junk lying around in your garage that you can uh, sell on eBay and get some money. But there are many, many ways of making money, and um, you're 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 looking at the downside of all the bills you've got. And and instead of saying, God, uh, now I've been faithful to you, now I, I claim my blessing, and I ask you to open the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing. Show me what you're going to do. Show me how I can move into blessings. So just ask him, and he'll give you some concepts. Your mind will open up. All right. He might as well have just said, burn an incense, because that's right. the equivalent of the solution that he offered. But... What makes me almost more angry than anything about that entire clip is that the woman started off by saying, what are they doing wrong? I'll tell you what they're doing wrong. They were giving over 10% to the church their entire life yeah. rather than putting it in savings to help them when they got to be this age. That's right. That's what they were doing wrong. Right. In a retirement plan that would actually pay back dividends. Because they keep saying, oh, you've been tithing. You've been faithful to God. You're not being faithful to God. You're being faithful to your church. You're paying the pastor's salary. Your 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 pastor who doesn't pay taxes, 
you pay taxes on the money you give. Yeah, it's not, you're not throwing that money in the air and it's getting sucked up by lights into God's hands. So this is what, well, first of all, when, right when Pat Robertson starts replying, listen to his, his smug fucking, almost laughing about what he's getting ready to say. What could we be doing wrong? Well, why don't you ask God to show you some ways of making money? You know, there's there are many ways of making money, even at 80 years old. <laughs> there's there's many ways. <laughs> so his advice to these elderly, elderly people. And first of all, let's get this on the record. Pat Robertson is worth almost a quarter of a billion dollars. That's insane. He's worth two. It's estimated over two hundred million dollars. He's almost worth a quarter of a billion. And how old is he? I'm sure he's close to 80, maybe more. But apparently he's been more faithful to God because it's been paid out to him, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, as the Bible would say. He's 84. 84 years old. So these are his peers. He could have gone to high school with these people. And he tells them, ask God to show you ways to make money. <laughs> um. Call around and see who's hiring. See what business is going to take a take a chance on a spry 81-year-old. Not, hey, uh, why don't you take a break from tithing for a while because you've done your part, and I'm sure God would understand that that dental work is going to keep you alive for longer. It's going to make you healthy. He doesn't want you to go into debt and then have to default on that debt because you die. So just, just postpone. Just push the pause button on the tithing for a while. Well, that would be too logical. Right. Also, who the fuck is going to hire an 80-year-old person? They haven't done enough already in their life. They have to continue to work past the the age of 85. Yeah, it's insane. And then he goes on and, you know what? Here's a good way to make money that maybe God would suggest. <laughs> Sell your stuff. <laughs> on eBay. Yeah. Sell your all the possessions that you have. You should sell that stuff on eBay. Yeah. That's a good way to make money. Live in your car. Right. You Do you have a refrigerator? That's a luxury. Yeah. <laughs> you can get a got cooler that's styrofoam from the drugstore. Fill it with ice. Your bologna will stay good for a long time. Oh, wait. You're too poor to have bologna? All right. Well, that cat food that you're eating now, 80-year-old lady, is going to be great in the cooler with ice. And then he wraps it up pretty much saying, quit being negative about your situation. Yeah, don't worry about those bills. That's easy for Pat Robertson to say with all the money that he has. Right. He has no concern for bills. Why would he? He has so much money, he doesn't need to be worried about that. Well, people that have to pay bills and don't know how they're going to pay bills and need to survive, that's their main concern. Yeah. Why doesn't he cut them a check? From his mountain, his Scrooge McDuck-like mountain of money, cut them a check because of their diligence and loyalty to his God. That's what he needs to do. Yeah, rather than laughing and telling them to go get a job as a checker at their local grocery store. Well, even if that was a feasible recommendation, what business is going to hire an 80-year-old person who can't lift who moves slowly, who doesn't understand technology that well. I mean, get the fuck out of here. He's a terrible, terrible human being. Well, it's just like Pat Robertson. You look at him 
he doesn't move quickly. He's hunched over. Right. He looks like he couldn't survive a windy day. That's right. And he expects these people that are his same age to go out and work every day. And I mean, that's just unreasonable. Well, the sad thing about this is this. And I know people, they come down on me when I say that the world will be a better place when Pat Robertson dies. And they think that's harsh because I shouldn't wish death on any human. Well, fuck that. The world will be a better place when Pat Robertson is fucking dead and rotting in the ground for this reason. These people hold him in high enough esteem that they ask him his advice. You are a lofty man of God, Pat Robertson. I, I'm having problems in my life, and I'm going to ask you to give me advice because you have wisdom straight piped in from Jesus himself. So I should go to you. And they're probably going to enact some of this advice from him. At their detriment, yeah, they're going to follow his advice. So when he's not here any longer to give this terrible advice, people will be better off because they'll be hopefully getting advice from someone who is responsible and is able to steer them in the right direction. Fuck. He's a terrible person. So I would like the audience to sound off about that. 657-464-7609. What do you think about this? Lastly, though, we are going to wrap it up talking about CeeLo and his recent Twitter issues. Yes. After pleading no contest to felony drug charges on Friday for allegedly sneaking ecstasy into a woman's drink in 2012, CeeLo Green posted several controversial tweets. His comments, which were replies to other Twitter users, referenced rape where he said, where is your plausible proof anyone was raped, and discussed consensual sex, saying, if someone is passed out, they're not even with you consciously, so with implies consent. Now, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm confused by a lot of these also because he can't write correctly. He can't right. spell words correctly. Right. He doesn't have good grammar, so it's confusing. But there was one tweet that really stuck with me. And what happened here is he was out with a woman. He put ecstasy in her drink. They went back to... He pled no contest to this. So it, we, there's no need for allegedly in any of this because he pled no contest. He's been convicted of these things. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So and they went back to her room or his room or something mm -hmm. happened. And there was a rape charge that had been filed related to this incident but it was thrown out on the grounds of inadequate evidence mm -hmm. so there was one tweet though he said so if i tried but did not succeed but the person said i did then what really happened so let me just fill in the the spaces please, for you there please do so if i tried to rape her but did not succeed but Sec the person said i did rape her then what really happened so, so he just admitted he tried to rape her. Right. So if I tried to rape her, but I wasn't able to, for whatever reason, I would assume he wasn't able to rape her because his little tiny T-Rex arms like couldn't reach her or something. <laughs> that's, I mean, like, I, that's the only reason I could assume he wasn't able to rape her. But so he's admitting he tried. I mean, by all accounts, it's hard to decipher with his broken English, but it's... <laughs> Then he also deleted these tweets. 
He yeah. did the classic, if I delete them, no one's going to know that I said it. <laughs> well, he deleted them and his account was temporarily deactivated. But of right. course, people took screenshots and, you know, you can't ever get away with anything because people are going to be screenshotting that. He tweeted, I truly and deeply apologize for the comments attributed to me on Twitter. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. He truly and deeply apologizes for the comments attributed not the comments he made but the comments attributed to him yeah um i don't think he knows what attributed means yeah (laughs) so he said those comments were idiotic untrue and not what i believe untrue it's hard it's hard wading through the minutia of bullshit to know what the fuck it's going on in his head yeah. Well, maybe he realized that using the word tried when he was discussing what happened is probably not a good idea. Right. Right. So I guess I guess there's only one thing to say relative to the CeeLo. And well, here it is. Perfect. <laughs> using his own words against him. Well, you know, it, when when perfection arises, we've got to deliver it to the audience. Yes. And with that poignant little number we're gonna wrap up the show that's it again uh you should you should uh, stop by the dollamore.com site use the search bar for amazon if you're gonna spend your money anyway it would be well served and well suited because every little bit goes a long way to support the show we really do appreciate you listening we love the audience participation It's getting more and more every single week, and uh, we can't say enough thank yous um, to our audience. You are super, super loyal, very active. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I don't know of any that have the level of audience participation, well, independent podcasts anyway, who have the level of, of, of participation from their audience that we have, and I cannot thank you enough. It, it means the world to us. Um, Keep it up. We're here twice a week for you, and we love you. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been another I Doubt It. Thank you for shoving a hot fire poker of guilt straight up my asshole. <laughs>